Hey, it's me, Gavin Crawford. Every week, I'll quiz comedians about the headlines. Do you worry about kids being exposed to drag? I grew up going to see men in dresses singing every Sunday and we had to give them money, okay? <laughs> I wish they were singing show tunes and had some makeup on their hair done, right? It would have been way better. If the news has you screaming into the void, we can help with that. Because news is available on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash the debaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada, from the home of the best crustaceans in the nation, Nova Scotia, it's The Debaters! The Debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man who's never crabby, Steve Patterson. Hey! Hello, Canada! Welcome back to The Debaters, and welcome back to Halifax. Am I right? Halifax, Nova Scotia, a city of many different cuisines. But people across the country may be shocked to find out that the official snack of this coastal city is the Donaire. <laughs> True story. It has always puzzled me, personally, because I think it should be called the Dono. <laughs> As in, excuse me, sir, what is that giant slab of meat made of? I don't know. <laughs> All right, wrap up one of those then. Don't forget the extra sauce so I can destroy this shirt. <laughs> That's why people in Halifax are so friendly. They'll give you the shirt off their backs. It's already been destroyed by Donaire sauce. Now, it's time to meet two debaters who I do know are going to serve up an extra saucy debate. This comic always records his time spent in the forest by keeping a log. It's Sean Cullen, everybody! Sean Cullen! his favorite audience members, making his way to my left. This comic thinks all classical pianists should be measured by the Gould standard. It's John Steinberg! John Steinberg! Ottawa's John Steinberg. Welcome, sir. Hey, Steve. Hey, buddy. Welcome. This is a good topic for where we are. That's why we're doing it. Your topic is one that will shine a light for all to see. Lighthouse Keeper, is it the best career? Some would say this is ridiculous. We don't. The rugged coastline of Nova Scotia has the most lighthouses in Canada, narrowly beating out Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba combined. All three of them. All three of them. How many lighthouse keepers do we have in the audience here? I know there's some, there's always some. Come on, shine a light. The answer should be none because we are recording this at night. If you're here, there are boats in trouble. Time for a debate that's, we hope, in perfect ship shape. So, whereas it's a life of solitary romance and beauty by the sea, be it resolved that being a lighthouse keeper is a dream job. Sean? 
You are arguing for this, please. Of course. Dream big. You have two minutes, starting now. Sean Cullen. Ah, the lighthouse. Has your heart been broken? Has humanity disappointed you? Do you long for the solitude that will allow you to complete your epic novel without the insipid distractions of people with their jabbering, slobbering mouths, talking words, and their rank body odor slowly wafting over you? Come with me, my friend, out to the lonely cliffs where the briny waves crash relentlessly against the rocks. The winds howl, and the playful albatrosses fondle the skies like a feathered lover. The lighthouse! A stern of reproach raised accusingly at the uncaring world is waiting for you. All alone, you will tend the light that guides ships to safety in the stormy night. A heroic tender of the flame who guides the sailors to safety despite how they rejected you and mocked you. <laughs> Made your life a living hell with them. Judging dirty eyes. <laughs> you are bigger than they are. Superior in every way. Standing at the pinnacle of your lighted tower, you look down on their petty struggles, knowing that you could switch off the light at any moment. <laughs> to shatter on the unseen reefs and die screaming as the ocean deep drags them down into the depths where eels and crabs will gnaw their ungrateful eyeballs with idiot glee. And you can also sing a happy song. <laughs> <laughs> I live in a lighthouse down by the sea. I open the window when I need to pee. <laughs> I dance in the evening without any clothes. I'm free and I'm naked and nobody knows. <laughs> On behalf of Lighthouse Keepers. Now, here to tell us why he hasn't got the foggiest idea as to why people think that Lighthouse Keeper is a dream job, please welcome John Steinberg. Okay. I'll admit it. As a teen, I dreamed about living in a lighthouse. I'm only human. Everybody goes through their lighthouse stage. 
I went to Peggy's Cove once, and I do see the appeal. That is a breathtakingly beautiful place to kill half an hour. Then you pick up a souvenir coffee mug from the gift shop, head back to the tour bus, and scroll Instagram for two hours while you wait for the stragglers. I know that sounds like a a long time to scroll Instagram, but it's gonna take two hours to see all the photos of your friends on better vacations than you. But it is very nice. Everybody should see Peggy's Cove at least once in their lifetime. And at most once. (laughs) In their lifetime. If you do get the urge to see it a second time, that's why you bought the mug. (laughs) Yeah, you certainly don't need to live there. Because being a lighthouse keeper isn't as easy as it looks. They keep a light on 24-7. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I grew up with parents. And they taught me to never leave a light on when I left a room. So that raises a question. Did my opponent have irresponsible parents? You never taught him right from wrong? Or is he just a sad orphan? I don't know, and frankly, I don't care. Thank you. John Steinberg does not believe does not believe that being a lighthouse keeper is the greatest job in the world, despite having gone through his lighthouse phase. Time now for the bare knuckle round. We are debating whether a lighthouse keeper is a dream job. So stay in your shipping lane. It gets lonely behind the podium, but if you remain a tower of strength and a beacon of hope, and don't bullship the audience, the laughs should come in waves. So debaters, help us see the light now. You know, my parents, sure, your parents told you to turn off the light whenever you left a room. My parents were just the opposite. Oh, did you turn off the light? Get the hell back in there and turn it on again. People dying on the shore. But I had to do, I had to do it. Well, this is old, outdated technology. Sean probably also wants to live inside of a fax machine. Yes. (laughs) Peggy's Cove is wonderful. Uh, But have you been to Peggy's Cave? It's right next to it. There's no lighthouse there. Just hundreds of barnacle-covered shipwrecks in a cave. Is that what you want, John? That's what you want, obviously. Look at you. I guess that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) But, Sean, imagine all the good we could do 
if we took all the hard-earned tax money that we're spending on lighthouses and we just put that into my bank account. <laughs> okay. All right. That's the bare knuckle round. Time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on Lighthouse Keepers brought to you by Sailor Jerry Rum. Mm. Mm. Sailor Jerry Rum. Unlike boats, it's better on the rocks. <laughs> in 2023, the government of Canada put out a job posting for Lighthouse Keepers in British Columbia. Two areas of experience that candidates must possess are working in isolated locations, and what else? Sean. Lighthouse keeping. <laughs> you would think. That's a, great, that's a great answer. Three points. John Steinberg? Uh, lights. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh. Working in a marine environment. Makes sense. You gotta know what a boat looks like. <laughs> In a 2015 interview, Canadian lighthouse keeper Carolyn Woodward said to help embrace the solitude, many lighthouse keepers have high-skill hobbies such as what? John Steinberg? Slowly going insane. <laughs> Incorrect. Sean Cullen? Necromancy. Ah. Ah. I like that. Surprisingly, no, it's not one of the ones I have here. Uh, boat building, or music, or writing, or quilting, hardcore quilting. <laughs> the oldest surviving lighthouse is located here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. What is the name of that lighthouse? John. Old decaying money suck lighthouse. Incorrect. So it's the oldest surviving lighthouse. Did it fight other lighthouses? <laughs> I don't have an answer. <laughs> you just have other questions. Just more questions, always. Lighthouses, infinitely interesting. <laughs> Actual answer is... The Sambro Island Lighthouse. Gosh! Located at the entrance to the Halifax Harbor. That's the firing line, everybody. All right. It is almost time for our audience to vote here at the beautiful Neptune Theater. But first, here again to tell us why lighthouse keepers are the only keepers with no goals in life. He didn't say that, but we're paraphrasing. Here again is John Steinberg. If I told you I wanted to live in an aircraft control tower, you would think I'm insane. <laughs> well, aircraft control towers are just lighthouses for skyboats. <laughs> Have you ever seen the inside of one of these lighthouses? Way more light than house. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd be called house lights. <laughs> I would live in a house light. <laughs> and what's so bad about boats hitting rocks?
If you hit the rocks, you're probably close enough to swim to shore. (laughs) And that's just more business for Nova Scotia's multi-billion dollar boat repair industry. (laughs) And I know you're thinking, we don't have a multi-billion dollar boat repair industry. (laughs) Exactly. Because you keep warning people about the rocks. Thank you. John Steinberg is anti-lighthouse keeper. Now, here to tell us why being a lighthouse keeper is a dream job due to the minimal light housekeeping. Here it is, Sean Cullen. Sure! You could say that lighthouse keepers are obsolete, unnecessary vestiges of a time before machines usurped the most noble and romantic of professions. We have radar. (laughs) Accurate maps. Satellites to guide us safely on the sea. All true. (laughs) But if there are no lighthouse keepers, and then no lighthouses, we will have surrendered something of our soul to progress. (laughs) What can be more romantic than keeping the lonely watch over the waves? Keeping an eye out for our fellow human beings, though we despise them utterly. Going up the spiral staircase, turning left, 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 left. As we rise to perform our ancient sacred task. And if there are no lighthouses, and if there are no lighthouse keepers, we lose forever the opportunity to have sex with mermaids. This is the ultimate tragedy. Thank you. John Cullen on why the lighthouse keeper is the most noble and sexiest of professions. Okay, it is up to you to vote, Neptune Theater audience. By applause, who liked his anti-lighthouse language and thought that John was the keeper, John Steinberg? And who thought that Sean came out on top with his illuminating lighthouse keeper illustration, Sean Cullen? The audience has spoken. They love the lighthouse keeper. Sean Cullen is our winner. Big hand for Sean Cullen and John Steinberg, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. 
Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Halifax, are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Yes! All right! This comic believes that livestock should be seen but not herded. It's New Brunswick's James Mullinger. James Mullinger, there he is, looking debonair, as always, James Mullinger. And this comic's comedy is always on brand. It's P.E.I.'s Heidi Brander. Howdy, Heidi Brander. The pride of P.E.I. with us, finally. Your topic is black and white and used to be red all over. Newspapers. Does every town need a local one? Three people here think so. (laughs) But let's see what the rest of the crowd might think. A lot of small town newspapers are shutting down. And if that's news to you, well, maybe it's your fault. (laughs) You know... When I was growing up, I used to deliver something called the penny saver. The penny saver. I don't know if you've heard about that around here. People got angry, and they wouldn't tip me if I didn't throw the paper close enough to their door. But what they didn't realize is the location of where the paper landed correlated directly to the amount of tips that they gave me. Mrs. Palmateer, lovely older lady, she gave me 10 bucks every two weeks. For that, I delivered the paper to her hand and sometimes read it to her. (laughs) Mr. 25 Cents Johnson, your paper, sir, is in the middle of the highway. Good luck. (laughs) Now, it's time for two debaters here to give us their two cents. So, whereas local newspapers tell the stories that matter to our communities, be it resolved, every city or town needs a local newspaper. James, you are arguing for this, please, my friend. You have two minutes, starting now. James Mullinger. Hold the front page, Halifax, because local papers are the backbones of our communities. I live in a small town in New Brunswick, and the local news is all I have. (laughs) There are things I need to know. Obituaries. (laughs) Who won the lottery? What church is the bake sale at? Is Fiddlehead season here yet? (laughs) But most importantly, is there a flyer deal this week on homemade wine kits? Hmm. Newsflash, we live in Atlantic Canada, the only place in the world without any national newspapers. None! They all stopped delivering here five years ago. Let's not deny our communities the news we need. We might not always know what's happening elsewhere in the world, but we do know that Cousin Donnie blew up a septic tank at the camp last night. The week I left London to move here, two things happened on the street I lived on in London. There was a drug murder and a mob boss was found. Two separate stories, 
very extreme. Neither of them deemed extreme enough to make the front page of the local newspaper. I moved to St. John. My first day, their headline says, Crime Wave in St. John. Oh, no, not here, too. <laughs> Underneath, in massive letters, it said, 50 chickens stolen. <laughs> I said, yep, we're staying put. <laughs> but even if you don't want all these wonderful stories, then just remember the main reason we need local newspapers. Because they are something to protect all of the precious Sobeys flyers. <laughs> On behalf of Keeping Local News, now here with some declassified information as to why local newspapers should just be canceled, let's hear from Heidi Brander. Do not trust this man, Halifax. The last British guy who was this obsessed with Canadian newspapers was Conrad Black. <laughs> Papers are for big, exciting cities like you, Halifax. Halifax needs its own paper because how else would people know who fell off the Dartmouth Ferry last week? <laughs> but we're talking about small towns. I'm from Prince Edward Island, a place where Fox News is literally news about a fox. <laughs> PEI tries so hard to sound exciting. Our headlines say things like, Terry Gallant is going to the Olympics because he bought tickets. <laughs> but the top story is always just yesterday's weather and the events section is just funerals, okay? This is a true story. One time in Summerside, a bunch of angry newspaper subscribers called in to complain that the obituary section was missing. It was missing because nobody had died. <laughs> if the people in your town are too boring to even succumb to natural causes, you don't need a newspaper. <laughs> Clinging to these old, outdated modes of communication is, quite frankly, pathetic. By the way, thanks for tuning in to CBC Radio. <laughs> Heidi Brander, everybody. Heidi Brander doesn't believe we need our local newspapers. Now, extra, extra, read all about it. It's time for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether every town needs a newspaper, so deliver on time in order to scoop laughs from the audience depending on what typo joke you use. <laughs> Ensure you've memorized your argument line by line so that you don't have to hard copy your opponent. And with that, I'll call them as I see them now. Okay. James, local newspapers are not the backbone of our communities. That title belongs to Tim Hortons. And anything you see in a local newspaper you can find out two days before from a gossipy Tim Hortons employee named Bev. Bev will give you a large double-double and everything you need to know about Gary's DUI. That might be true, but some local news deserves to be in print. For instance, Heidi here, 
She once won first prize, this is absolutely true, at Gladstone Elementary School's lip-syncing competition. <laughs> yes, right? I should point out, and I'm not making this up, this is absolutely true, guess who came second place? Ryan Gosling. She went to school with Ryan Gosling, right? I did not find this online, I found it on microfilm at Charlottetown Library <laughs> newspaper. James, think of the less talented children than me who never even get in the newspaper. These people grow up starved for attention and then they become comedians. <laughs> and who needs any news these days anyway? It's all fake. And if you think that local newspapers are above printing fake news, you're wrong. I read an article in the St. John Telegraph Journal that says James Mollinger likes living in New Brunswick. <laughs> Fake news. That is, that is, that is true. Not, not, not fake news. But I mean, look, I know I'm, I'm now a New Brunswicker, but I am, I am a British, and I have to say, without newspapers, what am I going to keep my fish and chips in? <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, the small town newspapers contain the news that big city Canadians need. Maybe, maybe not, but they contain the news that Canadians in big cities want. Right? If you're the person who shares the headline, BC woman hits moose on way to visit sister who hit moose, you're winning at the water cooler game. <laughs> okay. All right. That's the bare knuckle round. It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on local newspapers brought to you by Small Town Woodward and Bernstein. They broke the local story about water flooding a neighbor's gate. If you didn't get that reference, you haven't read enough local news from the early 1970s. What is the name of the 2022 Christmas movie where an up-and-coming journalist seizes the opportunity to run a small-town newspaper in Alaska? James. The Snow Globe and Mail. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Two points. Heidi Brander. Ernest saves journalism. <laughs> that too. It's also good. 1.75 points. The actual name of the 2022 Christmas movie where an up-and-coming journalist seizes the opportunity to run a newspaper in Alaska, The Christmas Edition. Well worth the wait. According to Bloomberg.com, when local newspapers close, what happens in the towns that they used to report on? Heidi. They learn about this thing called the internet. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> James? They try and wrap their fish and chips in an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the fish and chips, James. 1.25. Uh, according to Bloomberg, what happens is increases in government costs as a result of the lack of scrutiny. So if you want to keep government costs down, read more. That's the firing line, everybody. Firing line. All right, it is almost time for our fantastic Neptune Theater audience to vote. But first, here again to tell us why local newspapers are not worth the local paper they're printed on, let's hear again from Anne of Green Gables' real life, <laughs> Heidi Brander. 
if local news is so important, then why don't we have local horoscopes, huh? Like, hey, today you're gonna lose your keys, Linda. Or, or what about local comic strips? Ah, it's P.E.I. Garfield. He can't kick Odie off the table because he has gout. <laughs> Plus, local news is too specific. The internet is universal and gives us all the information we need. For instance, a quick Google search of James Mollinger reveals he is a British comedian, father and husband, disgraced former butler, and must stay 200 meters away from Prince William. <laughs> You'll find that in the paper because local news sucks. Ugh. <laughs> Driving it home here for the audience. Now, here to tell us why he'll never yell stop the presses to local newspapers, it's New Brunswick's own James Mullinger. Local news doesn't suck because, look, we've all seen succession. I don't want to be brainwashed by the Roys or the Musks or the Murdochs about their latest world-destroying political candidate. No. I would much rather read what Mavis at the Backwoods Bugle has to say about what went down at Chase the Ace last night. (laughs) And Halifax, our local newspaper journalists are really good at their jobs. They hold the powerful to account and the headlines are pure artistry. Sometimes in life, you just want to read a story about four women named Mary who play cards together every week with a headline like, The More the Merrier. (laughs) James Mullinger, on behalf of Saving the Local Newspapers. Heidi Brander is against, and let's see what this audience in Halifax thinks. By applause, who agreed with Heidi's anti-papering posturing and thinks that local newspapers are a tree-mendous waste? Heidi Brander. Like Heidi. And who preferred James' pro-paper patter and now thinks of him as their paper boy, James Mullinger? If you've still got a local newspaper near you, please support it, because no news isn't always good news. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Unite! The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, and Nicole Callender. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by Pat Martin and Larry Walker. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Neptune Theatre in Halifax. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.